0: Welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Steph Fairbairn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Rob Breton, head coach of the women's programme at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. Rob has just completed his first season in a head coach role having moved across the USA from West Virginia to take up the job. I caught up with Rob to talk about how he knew he was ready for the jump to head coach, what his first season in charge looked like, and why the student athlete experience and community are so important to him. Rob, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me on, I appreciate it.
0: No, great to have you here. Do you want to start by telling the listeners a bit more about who you are as a coach and your coaching journey?
1: Uh, So I'm a first-year head coach at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. Um, We're a Division II institution in the MIAA conference. For me, you know, I've been coaching since I was honestly 17. I used to run um, club clinics for the younger kids, for the club that I played for back home growing up. Uh, When I would come home from college, I would help run training sessions with the same clubs at the younger age groups just so i could help those players develop during the time Uh, i really got into coaching when i would help run camps at my college for my institution so during the summer we would have overnight camps and it was very similar to what i got to experience when i was a player Um, and some of the things that just kind of stuck out to me most was when i was a kid at camp i used to play against the college kids in front of the college coaches. And that kind of really helped, you know, set the tone. So I got to do that same thing when I was a, uh, when I was a college player, I got to help do that. And then when I graduated college, you know, I decided that I wanted to get into youth coaching. I I was playing some pickup games at a university nearby. Uh, one of my people I was playing with saw me and they're like, Hey, you know, would you be interested in coaching for this club team? So started coaching club, did that for a few years, started working on my badges, got a, a few of my, uh, grassroots badges and a couple of the other USSF, um, coaching certs. And then someone from my coaching course actually called me and said, Hey, are you still looking to get into the college game? There's an assistant position at this university that I work for, um, on the women's side. So I took that, I coached there for four years. It was Alderson Broadus university in central West Virginia. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of the four years, I, I told the head coach that I thought I was ready to make my next step in my coaching career, which was either um, progressing to potentially a Division One as a head or as an sorry as an assistant or um, taking a Division Two head coaching job. So, I applied for a bunch of opportunities. Um, I was lucky enough to get an interview here at UNK. They called me, offered me the job, uh, and when that happened, you know where I was in West Virginia and where Kearney, Nebraska, are is about a twenty. 20- Twenty-hour drive. Um, they called me, packed everything up, moved. Two weeks later, I drove across the country for two days. Started on Monday when I got here. Um, best decision I ever made.
0: So, what was it that made you think, right? I'm ready for this now. I'm ready to kind of step into a head coach role.
1: So, at my previous institution, the the head coach gave me a lot of freedom. Um, you know, stepping into the assistant role, I had been doing a lot of um, portfolio management for apartment complexes so that was what i was doing prior to becoming a college coach so i understood the business side but what i didn't understand was the recruiting aspect um all the the back-end business that goes into the planning of the season the planning of of that so during my four years as an assistant my head coach gave me a lot of freedom and he gave me a lot of opportunity to uh to try things and fail, and with that freedom, that gave me the ability to learn at a much quicker curve than most people do. Um, a lot of places you go into, and you know they're going to say, "Okay, this is all you're going to do, and this is all you're able to do." He gave me the freedom to do everything from budget managing to gear orders to um, training planning sessions to writing programming to scheduling trips, uh, scheduling recruiting trips, like the, the entire job. And, you know, after that four years, it got to a point where him and I had an honest conversation and he's like, Hey, look where you are now, there's not going to be much more progress for you at this position because your freedom now is going to start running into a wall. You're not able to do anymore because now it's getting into you being responsible for being ahead. And so when we had that conversation, he's like, you can continue doing this, but I think it's going to become a little slower for you and, and not as captivating as it's been while you've been learning and he's like you need to go somewhere where you're going to continue to learn and now you can have the ability to take final control of everything so we had that honest conversation and i just decided to start applying for jobs
0: that's awesome i think it's so important we have those people around us that are ready to push us even if that means letting us go um, and yeah. make us go to the next level so how did that first season go then? And I suppose where were you as a coach at the start of the season and where are you now? How much have you learned about yourself?
1: Um, the season was definitely a learning curve for everyone and everything. Um, I I got here in April and it was it was middle of April. I had maybe three weeks with the team before they went home for summer break. Um, so not a lot to really like even even identifying players and identity of the program and things like that it was it was very hard to do in the three weeks so realistically this season was our learning term um it, it was the time for us to really see you know what could we try what could we do and you know a lot of people are very statistic based and result based if, if you look at our record you know unfortunately we didn't win this year we went 0 15 and three but if you look back at the the stats to verify the stuff you know nine of those 15 games were lost by one goal we lost to the number 22 team in the country, one nothing both times we played. We lost to the number 11 team in the country, 2 nothing when we played, and we were hanging on in those games. So um, I think this year was more about learning, you know, what I had, what I wanted, and then kind of starting to figure out how we're going to build a blueprint to get from where we are to where we want to be and, and the steps along the way. You know, for me as a coach, I had to learn very much um how much control I actually have over the outcome of situations and more so how much I have control over the environment that develops the people to create the outcomes. Um you know there, there's always the saying that you know coaches can't play the game for you. Um, and you never really learn that in truth until you're on the sideline wanting to go in and fix the situation for the players and you can't. So It really became an understanding of, I can't solve the problems for them. All I can do is help them be able to identify what the problem is and become people who want to create solutions. Great. We can identify the problem. How are we going to solve it? Um, And that comes from the environment that I create for them. So that was one of the biggest things that we really uh, dove into this year was, you know, what are the training sessions like? What are what are the areas that we need to grow? Is it technical? Is it IQ? Is it tactical? Is it physical? Um, And even outside the field, you know, what's the culture like? What's the program like? What are the what are the interactions with the players? What are the relationships? How are their relationships with me? Do they trust me? Do they believe in what we're doing? Do they see the picture? Um, And so, you know, even though result driven, it might have looked like a down year this is one of those years that could genuinely be a complete jump start for a huge turnaround next year if we start working properly now going forward with what we've already built
0: and obviously soccer is sometimes such a results driven business do you think it's important that we start looking at the longer term particularly in the the college game we look at a three four four year plan
1: so Maybe if we were talking about five or ten years ago, I would say yes because that was prior to the transfer portal, the opportunity for players to you know, abandon ship if they're not happy or um, after coaches leave, players having the opportunity to to relocate and go somewhere else. College coaching is becoming much more of a relation to the professional game now. And if you look at it, on average, professional managers are at a club for maybe, two to three years on average. The ones that are there longer, you know, Pep, Klopp, Ancelotti. I mean, you look at those guys, they, they get longer term because they're the big names. But even looking at someone like, you know, Tuchel was there for, what, 18 months, 19 months, won everything, gets let go. Um, for the college game, you know, it's, it's now starting to be much more similar to that pro version. Would I like it to be looked at more in regards to the development side of things? Yes. Um, and, and that's the hard part, because it also depends on, you know, what are the expectations of the program and the university? There are some universities you go to, the expectation is to win. That, that's part of their demand. That's part of their expectation. There are other programs that their expectations are, you know, we just need to be competitive. There are other ones that say, well, we just need to field a program. And you know that's a very realistic thing that players have to look at as, as well. Is as, you know if you go in, some of the schools that say you just have to have a program, look at their roster. They might have forty to sixty kids on a on a roster. They might not have won many games over the last couple of years, but as long as they have that roster size, you know that's what matters. So, me personally, yes, I would love it to be focused more on the development and the long term game. Um, but with the way that the profession is going and the way that um, particularly college American soccer, you know, traditional football, the way it's, it's starting to go is, is it's much more result driven at the higher levels. Um, and for me, I, I can see both sides of it, but you know, whatever environment I'm in, I'm going to figure out how to make it work. So, you know, if we're going to be a result driven program, then we're going to set that demand for the players. And we're going to bring in the players that understand that and work towards that. If we're going to be a development-based program, then that's got to be the conversation between the um, athletic department and myself of, okay, this is what we're going to do. And luckily I have a good balance of both where we're expected to get better every year. We're expected to progress, but it's not, Hey, you got to be winning conference next year. Um, I think that might be a little bit of a a high reach for me to say, Hey, you know, I want to win the conference after having a no win season.
0: Those as well, going back to your, Previous answer. You know, you spoke about results, but then also cultural, culture, and environment, and they they go hand in hand, right? And I know, you know, creating a really positive student athlete experience is something that is important for you. How, I suppose, what does that look like as a college coach? How much do you have to consider? These are students as well as athletes, and what's the coach's role within all of that?
1: Um, So there, there's one step even further than just recognizing that they're students and athletes, but recognizing that they're people with problems outside of what we see every single day. Um, That's one of the biggest things that, you know, you have to recognize is yes, they have the stress of classes. They have the stress of training, time management, but they also got to be social. They got to be their kids. They genuinely are like you're taking sometimes 17 year old, 18 year old kids and bringing them into a program and helping them become young adults that are going to be professional outside of the game um and you know for for the level that we're at right now realistically would i love one of my players to end up being good enough to go pro and play pro yes if that's one of their dreams i'll help them do that but the realistic nature is is they're going to be a professional outside of it so we focus on how we can help develop them into quality human beings which translates to being quality players you focus on the little details, you know, like I said, time management, how are you doing with taking care of yourself? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating enough? Are you drinking enough water? Are you taking care of yourself on your mental days? You know, when we don't have any training, what are you doing for you? Um, We focus on study hall hours, making sure that you're, you're focused on getting your grades, and then soccer, Um, not the other way around. And one of the the big areas that we we really dove into during preseason was how we interacted with each other, um, and how we can we can have an accountability towards each other. We can have a high demand towards each other, but we can do it in a way that's not demeaning and degrading. Um, we don't have to put people down to set a high standard, but at the same time, we can't have a um, a positivity toxic environment where, well, you can do something wrong, but we're going to keep telling you it's okay. You're, it, things will work out. Like it, it has to be a little bit of both, where you can say, okay, you know what? Uh, an example is, is I never, I constantly tell them there's never a wrong decision in football other than kicking the ball in the back of your own goal. There isn't. There are harder decisions and there are easier decisions. You can make one of the hardest decisions in the world and execute it. And guess what? Worked out perfectly. You could do one of the easiest things in the world and not execute it. That doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It means it was the wrong execution. And that's different. And that's something that we really started to try and implement this year is, is, you know, good idea, poor execution. That just means that you have to do better. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person, doesn't mean you're a bad player, a bad teammate. It just means that you have to do a higher standard for that to work out. Well, now we're starting to focus on positive reinforcement while still holding each other accountable, but not letting positivity overrun the idea of, well, it's still not good enough if the results aren't working out.
0: So you mentioned that, you know, players taking care of themselves. And and I think what you're describing is building a, an environment that's really psychologically safe and where people can grow. And, and I ask a lot of coaches this, but I feel like it's particularly relevant to you having just done your first season as a head coach how important is it that you're looking after yourself and you're doing all those things for yourself to make sure, one, you're setting a standard, but also that you're healthy and you can hold that space for your players?
1: Um, no, you're absolutely right. I think uh, a lot of times, and I even had it happen to me a few times during the season where um, I just, I got so focused on the job that I forgot about me. Um, also, you know, I I didn't have um and on the clock assistant coach this year i didn't have a a graduate assistant i did have a volunteer coach who would come to games and who would come to training sessions with us but because i didn't have that those people here because i didn't i didn't hire them i also didn't find candidates i thought that were quality to work with me in regards to that standard i ended up putting myself in that situation um, where i wasn't taking care of myself properly so I had to remind myself, you know, I, I can't ask these players to do something if I'm not going to do it myself. So getting back into meal prepping, making sure I'm getting enough food, making sure that I'm drinking my water every single day and how much water that I'm drinking, not having too much coffee um, so that I can actually like stay awake and not. My players used to joke the first half of the season, they're like you're going to give yourself a heart attack with how many lattes and uh, coffee you drink every day. And I'm like, well, if I die, I die. They're like, no, 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 no. You have to, you have to be here. Um, But no, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of times as coaches, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, we can preach all this stuff to our players, but if we're not showing them that we're going to live it at what point when the results don't work out, are they just going to look at you and be like, you're, you're a hypocrite because you're demanding something that you're not willing to do yourself. Um, So even for example, you know, I've talked to, my volunteer coach. And I'm like, Hey, we're going to start going back to the gym a couple of days a week. It, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I'm not sitting here saying we've got to be um, fit for a game on Sunday for Sunday league, but we've, we've got to be prepared to, to show that we're going to live that same lifestyle. We're going to take care of ourselves. So now that it's off season, I take one full day to myself um, where it's just, it, I, I call it take Rob on a date day. Um, so I'll go, I'll go get something that I want to eat. Maybe go watch a movie somewhere. Um, just kind of decompress and and focus on me and, and my life. And that way, when I come into work, there's no overbearing. It's the other thing is, is, you know, for, for a lot of coaches and they'll all tell you this, we genuinely love this job. I, there's not a day I don't come in and I'm not happy to be here at work or happy to, um you know one of my players came in yesterday and she's like I I was asking I was like how's life she's like oh you know it life's tough and I was like okay well let's talk about it she's like oh you don't want to talk about that it's going to take three hours and I said I got time sit down I genuinely care about these kids I, I want to be here for them so you know at the same time even though I do need to take days for myself it's almost like it's not work at the same time because I love it
0: so say there's someone listening to this that's maybe you know prepping to go into their first season as a head coach or that's that's their aim if you were to give them let's say three pieces of advice from what you've learned this year what would you say to them
1: um first one is genuinely having a an organizational plan for the season what I mean by that is you know having everything scheduled out Not as soon as possible, but sooner rather than later with travel, getting meals, doing your budget, having all that stuff. If you can knock that stuff out during the summer leading up to preseason, guess what? Then all you got to do during season is coach and recruit. And those are the fun parts of the job, right? Um, Then the the second one I would say is, and this is brought to me from my previous head coach, which is remember to enjoy – the ups and downs. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, at certain points when things don't go well, you're going to dwell on the downs so much instead of being able to recognize that the downs just make the ups that much better and vice versa. You, you can't have, you can't live on the highs if you don't experience the lows, because then you don't genuinely get to understand what that high really is. um, and the last one is is remembering that they are just kids and that they want to do the best they can for the people that care about them. If you create the right environment, they're going to work hard. They're going to do what they want to do. And if you care, they care. Um, so I would say those are my three bits of information.
0: No, that's great. Thanks, Rob. Look, final question then, because you are in off-season. You've got your one-day-a-week, Rob, date day But um, what does, what does the rest of your time look like at the minute? How are you prepping for next season? How are things shaping up?
1: Um, So a lot of, a lot of recruiting, a lot of phone calls. Um, I mean, even right now, while we're on this call, I'm still my emails in front of me and I'm getting emails from recruits about, you know, Hey, can you come watch this? Um, Scheduling out when we're going to go on recruiting visits planning the off-season training for the players for when we come back next semester, how we're going to go about training, um, scheduling end of season meetings, you know, sitting down meeting with my players going over review of, okay, this is what we saw this year. This is what we didn't see. This is where you need to grow. This is what we can do better. Um, And then I even do clips for those players to show those moments in games. So, you know, we use the huddle software and I'm currently and my volunteer is also helping with this, but we're, we're chopping up clips for players of, you know, some good things they've done in the season, some things they need to work on. And that way we can give them a visual representation as well. Um, you know, also kind of scheduling out the games for next season. That's always want to try and have that done as far ahead in advance as possible. So you just, it's one less thing to stress about. And the last one is, is, you know, I actually am really trying to figure out and plan out some new um, fundraising ideas and camp, schedules for the kids um you know a lot of people see what the big division one power five schools have with like budgets and all the gear that players get and this and that and they tend to forget how much it genuinely costs for for travel for hotels for meals um for all that gear how much it costs for referees at games um you know, all that stuff adds up at the end of the year. So we have to figure out ways to help supplement our budget so we can give players, you know, an even better college experience. So, you know, I'm trying to come up with a couple of fundraisers, ways to convince people that, Hey, you know, you should donate money here and we're we're a good cause and help the ladies grow as a program. Um, and the last one that I I really enjoy that we've done a really good job at this year is, is community service and engagement. Um, you know, we've we've done a couple different things with the team this year. We've done top soccer, which is um, soccer for children with disabilities. So we've gone out and done that twice. Um, we did trick-or-treating. So all, the whole team dressed up in their Halloween costumes. We went down onto downtown Main Street and passed out candy to all the kids going out trick-or-treating. Uh, we were running clinics next week for youth programs. So we'll actually run just some technical training sessions for the kids, um, There's something that the school does, which is absolutely awesome. It's called High Five Friday. And what we do is is we all wake up, go down to an elementary school or middle school early. And as the kids get off the bus, we high five them on their way into school. Um, Just kind of like promoting that environment of, you know, enjoy going to school and we're here to support you and we're here to be a part of it. So um, I just I really want to make this program become well respected in the community, well loved in the community. And I think when they see that and they see the effort that the girls are putting in, they'll want to start supporting us again even more, which in turn is going to make the team want to play even better because they're going to have those people out there supporting.
0: That was the voice of Rob Breton. Thanks to Rob for his time and his thoughts. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon.